Good evening, church. Only God could bring us a day so beautiful, a night so wonderful, and a blessed occasion such as this. It is good to see you here tonight, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for your attendance and ask you to go with us together to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Lord God, though we struggle in this world, in this life, we're thankful that you are with us always and you bless us and you keep us and that you strengthen us and you protect us. And we thank you for that. Bless us tonight, Lord God, again, that we might honor you in our worship tonight, that we might please you. Please continue to help us as we go out into the world and fight the daily fight of faith, that we might stay faithful and true to you always. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. The, uh, the growth of the apostles, they, I, really, I really like thinking about growth because when you think of the apostles, here's what you hear. They loved Jesus. They followed Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They preached the message of Jesus at all costs. They were the messengers of God. They were ambassadors for Christ, and they died for what they believed in. And all that's true. But that's not how they used to be. They didn't start out like that, right? And that's what I want to talk about tonight is, is their growth. They preached a message. And I want you to think for just a moment. By inspiration, the word of God comes to them. Uh, Jesus is there and Jesus is talking to them. And there, and there are thoughts that, that they understood because God inspired them to understand them. So like, for example, Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 1. And, and you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. A world, a place that is so beautiful and so wonderful, and yet... The preaching is, it has nothing to offer us. And then you say, how could a place so beautiful and so wonderful have nothing to offer us? And the Bible's teaching us that sin has made this a wretched place, if you will, the atmosphere and the world in which we live. And they spoke that message. And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, you know, he had just denied the Lord, and, and here we are now, uh, some, some 50 plus days later, uh, the day of Pentecost, 50 days in particular, and Peter gets up and preaches a message, the same man who denied the Lord. And in verse 40, he says, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Perverse generation. Go to James. James chapter 4. Here's the brother of the Lord. Um, he's not an apostle, but just listen to what the disciples said by way of inspiration about the world and relationships. He says in James 4, in verse 4, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
The message is clear, isn't it? Turn to John chapter 7. The inspired message is clear. God's disciples didn't always necessarily uh, live this way as the message is proclaimed, but they did grow to a point in an understanding that this is what God has to say about this world. James, James, uh, John chapter 7 and verse 5. Of all people, James, the Bible says, for he loves our nation. I mean, Luke, excuse me. Anyway, what it's saying to us is that James didn't believe. His brothers didn't believe in him. Just so you know tonight, I forgot my glasses. so But I can see. I'm good. I realized that when I started reading. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't walk around too much. All right. Um, but they, like us, had to grow in their faith. John chapter, chapter 14. They had to grow in their faith. And I want you just tonight to think about some things that were stated and think about some, some things that happened uh, in, during the life of Jesus with his apostles, these great men of God. And they were, but they had to grow an awful lot and very quickly. In John 14, beginning of verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough. So imagine if, if, if you know, if it were one of us, and we're talking, we're sitting there, we're, we're teaching this lesson, and Philip is like, are you looking through me, Philip? I just said I am the way and the truth and the life. You've watched my life. You've watched what I've done. You've heard what I've said. And Philip says, well, if you show us the Father, then that's good enough. Aren't I good enough? They had to grow. Mark chapter 4. They had to grow in their walk of faith. Jesus, think about this for just a moment, wasn't quite enough. The apostle said that. Yeah, the apostle Philip said, show us the Father. And Lord, that's all we need. Mark chapter 5, or chapter 4 rather, wasn't Jesus enough? Obviously not. Verse 35, that's where we're going. You know, Jesus stills the sea, right? You've read the account many times over. just want to bring one thought out. Beginning of verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with them, just as he was in the boat. And on the other boats, and I love to think about the other boats who were, that were on the sea, what their perspective was. But God doesn't give that to us. Other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep, on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing and being aroused? He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have 
no faith. And they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus questions their faith. Think about the question that was asked of them. God, don't you care? They had to grow. Of course God cares. What a question to ask the man who's about to die on the cross for their sins. Don't you care? Do you know what I'm about to go through? And there are people still today who ask that same question. Doesn't God care? Look at the cross, church. That shows how much he cares. They had to grow. Mark chapter 6, verse 41. I want to think about this text for just a moment and, and think about what's going on in this text. And i got to read this whole text to get to a point that I'd like to make for us. Beginning of verse 41. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of broken pieces and also the fish. And there were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Now, there are 5,000 men, so that means it doesn't count women and children. So there are way more than 5,000 people who are eating at this particular moment. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus sends them all away. And then I want to pick up in verse 46 as Jesus is walking on water in a separate account. And after bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. And when it was evening, the boat was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on the land. So imagine how much time that had gone by. So he bid them farewell. He goes up into the mountain on foot. He walks into the mountain. He goes to the mountain. He prays. He comes back down the mountain. And now he's on the land, and they've gone on. Interesting. Verse 48. And seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. So imagine the account, right? Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he comes down off the mountain, and he's on land, and then all of a sudden, you're out there, you're in the boat, and you're trying to, you know, they're trying to get through this sea, and the, the, the wind's against them, and, and they're struggling, and they look out, and what do they see? They see a man. So how fast was Jesus walking? Because he caught up with them. Right? They see a man, Jesus, walking on the water. What do you do with that? He caught up with them, and the Bible says he was intending to just go right past them. Right? They look out, and they see him, and in verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him. And were frightened. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were greatly astonished. Okay, I would be astonished too. 
right? They were greatly astonished. It was, it was pretty impressive. It was absolutely remarkable. It was amazing. It was a miracle. And they're like, okay, this is Jesus. This is wonderful. This is an amazing account that we're reading. But here's the question. Why were they afraid? Why were they astonished? Verse 52. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Think about that. In other words, what the text is saying is that they should not have been afraid and they should not have been astonished. Who else is going to walk on water <laughs> but Jesus? But they gained no insight with the loaves of the, what, 10,000, 12,000 people, whatever it is, that number is. The thousands of people who ate the food, the Bible says they gained no insight. It's like going through a spiritual situation or a physical situation in life, and then God rescuing us, and then we not growing from it. We're supposed to grow from our physical lessons of life. We're supposed to be able to allow those lessons to transition our minds from the physical to the spiritual. There's some kind of insight that we're supposed to gain. Why does it say in this passage, here the loaves, if you will, and the, uh, the fish, and then Jesus walks on water, and then they were astonished, and they were afraid, and it says they gained no insight because they had hardened hearts. They had to grow. Mark chapter, chapter 8. And maybe the question that I might ask myself is, am I blind too? Have, have I closed my eyes to these spiritual lessons that God's been trying to give me and I'm just not getting it? Have I closed my heart to the spiritual lessons that God is trying to give to me? And then the most difficult question is, have I hardened my heart? My heart, not you, me. The lessons that God is trying to give to me in this life. In Mark 8 and verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them. This is their discussion. Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, do you not understand? Haven't, haven't you figured it out yet? You're, you're, you're dealing with so many trivial things, but I am God. They, they had to grow. Matthew chapter 17. And as I inventory... The, the goodness of God in my life and the circumstances in my life and the situations in my life. And as you inventory the circumstances in your life and the situations in your life, 
How much have I grown? How much have you grown through all those things as you've watched God protect you and guard you and guide you and bless you all along the way? How much have you grown? Or would Jesus ask me the same question? Did you not get it? Have you not gotten it yet? Do you not understand? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 14. And when they came to the multitude, a man came up to him, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, my son, for he's a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Couldn't, they couldn't cure him. Verse 19 Uh, The discussion continues. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out, right? I mean, here we are. We've walked with you all these years, Jesus, and we were up on the Mount of Transfiguration not long ago, and and we saw Elijah and Abraham talking, Moses rather, talking with God and, and talking to you. Why couldn't we do it? Verse 20. Because the littleness of your faith But truly, I I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. The apostles had little faith, and Jesus said so. It's the littleness of your faith. That's why you couldn't cast him out. See, I can imagine uh, this demon, a demoniac, if you will. I'm going to Matthew 14. That this demoniac, I can imagine him being, you know, lashing out at them and, and you know, just being just, just evil and corrupt. And, and that would be scary. But God is greater than that demoniac, right? God is greater than all the demons. And so they should have had faith. But they had none. They had very little faith in the face of adversity. And I guess maybe the question might be for us tonight is, all right, here's my faith today. Well, how am I in the face of adversity? Where's my faith? Matthew 14, verse 26. You know the, uh, the account? Jesus. And in Matthew 14, in verse, verse 26, back to Jesus walking on water, another account. I want you to think about just something in this text. Just beginning down at verse uh, 26. And when the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. So here's my question. Jesus said, Take courage. Do not be afraid. It is I. It's me. Did they believe him? Or did they take Jesus at his word? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why didn't they just take him at his word? Why the challenge? Why the test? If it's you, Lord, who else could it be? They just weren't there yet. It took time 
for them to grow. That's all I want you to see is it took time for them to grow in their walk of faith. And so we have a responsibility to grow. Every one of us. And, and yes, it's going to take time, but you've got to put the effort and time into it and not just expect it to happen by itself. We have a responsibility in our own growth, in our own walk of faith. And then John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want us to just remember, I want to remind you of something I talked to you about some time ago. About Thomas. Doubting Thomas is what we, I guess, nicknamed him. But I want you to remember John 20 verse 19 and verse 20. And when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. All right. Why did Jesus show them his hands and his side? Because that's what they needed. The only difference is Thomas just wasn't there. But all the apostles needed to see the same thing that Thomas himself needed to see. He wasn't there. And so in verse 24, uh, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And then the other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, we have seen the Lord's hands and side. <laughs> We've seen it. We saw, we, we saw the Lord. I mean, he showed us his hands and his side. But he said to them, unless I shall see his hands and the imprint of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. They all needed to see it. And in other words, I guess maybe we don't, we don't need to see this. not this huge miraculous event that's going to happen. But as we're studying in the morning on Sunday, that God has given us everything we need to believe. But it's up to you. It's up to me to dig into the word, to get out of it what God is trying to give to me, that I might grow in my walk of faith. Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We have, to, we have to look into the Word. We have to pick the Bible up. We have to read it, church. We've got to take the time that it takes and the energy to read the Word of God. At the end of their journey, we read about them, the Fox's Book of Martyrs and other historical accounts about these men died for what they believed in. All but John died some kind of brutal death for the cause of Christ, for the name of Christ, or in the name of Christ. They grew to that point. Tonight, where's, where's my faith? If there were going to be some great persecution against the Lord's church, where are we going to be, church? What's going to happen? Are we going to scatter? Are we going to resort to online worship? Are we going to hide somewhere? I don't know the answer, see. You know, today I could say, oh yeah, I'll be there. You can count on me, but count on me only as I count on the Lord. I could talk the talk, but am I walking the walk? Will I walk the walk when the time comes? Well, it's not here, so I can't answer that question. But here's what I do know. You can see now whatever faith I have. 
And whatever faith I have now is the faith that I have, but I want to grow, and I know you do too. And so every chance that you get, remember to look at the beautiful lessons that God's giving us about life. Like today, when you leave the building today, and you walk outside, what's out there? You guys know. You're like, hurry up, preacher. You want to get back out there and enjoy the sun. Let me remind you something about the sun. Because that S-U-N is in the sky, it reminds us that the S-O-N is still on the throne, right? So when you see the sun, when you go out tonight, when you leave this building, look up there and say, thank you, God. Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne. The Old Testament teaches us that. When you go outside, look at the beauty that God has given to us and ask yourself, what spiritual take, what spiritual lesson can I gain from what God is giving to us today? And before you leave the building and you greet the brethren, remember to encourage them to continue to walk and fight the good fight of faith until the day that God calls us home. We're going to close in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. And we're going to invite anyone who would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. If someone has a special prayer request that they need made on their mind or on their heart, listen to what the Bible says. But grow and the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and today, to the day of eternity. Amen. Today and to the day of eternity. Grow. Am I growing in my walk of faith? Pray for me as I pray for you. Tonight, if anyone has a need and would like special prayers made in their behalf, make it known while together we stand. And sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? I'm satisfied with just a college below.